once again, the Bays team is the best team, the Golden State Warriors. We are live. What an intro. Love the sound of that. New podcast, everybody. Brandon Cadiz here on Strength in Numbers. Make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter at dubs underscore strength. D-U-B-S underscore strength. I'll be sticking to the same routine, having at least one new podcast every single week. And from my listeners from the Warriors 24-7 podcast, thank you so much. I'm sure you've migrated over here, and we truly appreciate the support. Let's get into it, guys. It's going to be jam-packed here today, as it always is, especially Game 4 of the NBA Finals, and your Golden State Warriors are down 2-1 to one after losing in a way that you know, was pretty dramatic until up into the fourth quarter. They lost game three at the TD Garden, 116 to 100. And game four comes here tonight. I'm going to be at Chase Center for the watch party. It's going to be a great atmosphere. There are so many things to talk about, like Steve Kerr's rotational issues. Should he have taken Stephen Curry out in that end of the third quarter and to the start of the fourth? Um, Kevon Looney, Gary Payton II, was their leash a little bit too short? And Robert Williams III, amazing defender. We'll talk about his impact there in game number three. And how Marcus Smart as well was great on the defense of Draymond Green. Draymond Green off air, his podcast, those Boston fans really giving it to him. All of that. On this episode, we got so much to talk about. But before we do that, we all have to talk about our sponsors, Bet Online, every single week. And I like to remind you guys that this podcast is presented also by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL hockey conference finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into this action. Bet online where the game starts. What went wrong in game number three? Well, second chance opportunities, offensive rebounds, rebounds in general. They were out-hustled. They were outsmarted, no pun intended, from the Boston Celtics. Taking a look at the numbers, total rebounding numbers for game number three, the Warriors with 31 total rebounds against Boston's 47. Man, look at that discrepancy. And offensive rebounds, Warriors only had six to Boston's 15. The Warriors turnovers at a margin of 16 to Boston's 12. That, as always, we got to look at the points in the paint as well. The second chance opportunities, second chance points created. 
And of course, points off of turnovers were pretty even though this time around 17 for or 19 for the Golden State Warriors and 17 for the Boston Celtics. So surprisingly there, the Warriors had more points off of the turnover and fast break points were also in favor of the Golden State Warriors, where it really is an issue is Robert Williams III. I remember one play where he got into the baseline, you know, tried a little floater and missed it. And Draymond was just staring up. He was ball watching, didn't even try to box out. And boxing out helps a little bit. But when you're dealing with a freak like Robert Williams III, of course, he's going to out-athleticism you if I can't think of a better word. So I'm just going to make up a word. He is an athlete, a true athlete. And even Steph Curry post-game said himself that he thought he had an open lane, but Robert Williams was just amazing. He was there, came out of nowhere, helped recovery on Gary Payton the second, And he, I think he was the one that forced Steve Kerr's hand to take Gary Payton the second out early because in that first quarter, GP2, who we saw in game number two, really be a factor to securing that Golden State Warriors win, he missed two dunks. One of them was just a straight miss dunk, um, trying a two-hand hammer, going hard. And then the other one was a block, a block dunk by Robert Williams. He played a total of seven minutes and 22 seconds in the first quarter. And guess what? His total minutes for the game was 11.25. So Steve Kerr only played him for four more minutes throughout the entire second to fourth quarters that is that just blows my mind and what also blows my mind is when we were looking at those rebounding numbers that Kevon Looney only played 16 minutes and 49 seconds total in this contest we know how big of a threat Kevon Looney is not only in grabbing offensive rebounds or rebounds in total but his switch ability when someone comes on him at the top of the key, whether it's Tatum or Brown and tries to attack his switchability. You know, that was the main focus there in the Dallas series and the Memphis series. Kevon Looney, his emergence has been tremendous. And when you have a guy like Draymond Green, who was MIA there in game number three, then you have to allocate those minutes to Kevon. And also, what worked well in game number two is what I mentioned on the last episode of the Warriors 24-7 podcast was that I believe that Gary Payton II and Nemanja Bielitsa were going to be factors. And they were in game number two. Bielitsa provided a great spark off of the bench. And Gary Payton II came out to play, nailed a three-pointer, right? Got to the lane. And... He had one bad game, if you want to even call it that, for GP2. But for game number four, all the cards have to be on the table here. And I don't think it's only one strategy to stop this Boston Celtics team. And I've said this all NBA Finals series long, even towards the end of the Miami series where me and Javi broke down what needs to happen in order for the Golden State Warriors to win the NBA Finals against these Boston Celtics. And it is absolutely clear that Ime Yudoka has had the coaching ed edge in this series. He has the ability to adjust on the fly. And I think it's something Steve Kerr so far in this series has not shown. He's been a little bit hesitant. And 
by a little bit, I mean a lot of it, especially in game number three. The leash was too short, as I've mentioned, for Kevon and GP2. And if you're trying to win an NBA championship, guys have to sacrifice. And if that means Draymond Green taking more time on the bench and putting others into the starting lineup or onto the court, then Steve Kerr has to do that. Because tonight, game number four, it's the, it's the Warriors season. They have to play it like game seven. The players are coming into this like it's game number seven, season on the line. If we lose tonight, the series is over. Because if you're down 3-1 to this Boston Celtics team, and I know a lot of people like to bring up the Oklahoma City Thunder situation, and even the Warriors blowing the lead to the Cleveland Cavaliers 3-1, but you cannot beat this team three out of four, or you can't beat this team three straight games after going down 3-1. to one. I just don't believe that. The Boston Celtics team is absolutely a different beast. Now, the storyline of Draymond Green. Game number one, Al Horford got into his space, prevented him from passing, as I've said in the last podcast, last couple of podcasts, actually. If you have Al Horford all up into you, it makes it difficult to pass. And the adjustment that was going to be made is that once Draymond Green is given all of this space to pass, he generates. And in game number two, it was different. You saw Draymond Green driving, forcing pressure, right? Putting his head down, getting those foul calls, and also the uh, fake dribble handoff and getting to the rim, right? The little floaters into the lane. That's the Draymond Green that we have to see. And I know it's like a running record that we have to say every single playoff season, especially the last two so far, the play-in game in which Draymond missed that game-tying layup against the Memphis Grizzlies. And of course now, after game number three, where it was a dud, Draymond looked not interested. And of course, the soundbite that went viral was Draymond saying that, hey, I probably, and I'm paraphrasing here, that the Boston fans got to him and... The referee talk got to him. And we've heard Draymond Green in the past say that he needs to be aggressive. He needs to be that dog. He needs to be stirring things up like he did in game two of the finals in order to be effective. And for Draymond, what is disappointing to me and what is disappointing to a lot of Dub Nation is you're an experienced veteran. How can you let game number two in which you had an extended leash to talk and you got that technical foul if that was if that's what needs to rile you up then hey Draymond do it in game number four be aggressive be the enforcer start things in order for the Warriors to win game number four tonight Draymond Green has to put his head down get into that mid mid range and throw his floater up right or do the fake dribble handoff with him and Steph Curry or pass it out but what stood out to me was Marcus Smart's defense. Draymond Green was given all of this space. And in game number three, it was a lot more space. He stepped up and sag off even more compared to game number two because they knew that Draymond Green was just going to try to shoot that three-pointer. It's either three-pointer or pass. Three-pointer or pass. It's like a quarterback um, telegraphing what he's going to do next. And as I've mentioned before... 
things need to change be aggressive open things up for your team and draymond took two three pointers of course missed all of them has not yet nailed a three-pointer in the nba finals and he nailed a three-pointer in that Dallas series, if I remember correctly. And I think it's big for Draymond Green to hit a three-pointer because that's when he starts talking, building his confidence up, and that's when he plays aggressively on the defensive end. I love it when Draymond hits the three because he's talking to the crowd. He's waving those three, that three sign on his fingers to everyone. And this was a stat that was pulled and it is a great stat if this regular season and playoffs included when Draymond Green hits at least one three-pointer the Warriors are 19 and 1 and i know 20 games is a small sample size but numbers don't lie 19 and 1 if Draymond Green hits at least one three-pointer tonight, I think that will be the catalyst to his defense and his aggressiveness. But even if he doesn't nail a three-pointer, taking two open threes like he did in game two and shooting with confidence is key. And I think his he's going to come out differently in game number four. He knows it's a do-or-die situation. He said that he played like crap in game number three. He is aware of all of that. All of the noise off-air, former NBA players saying that they're going to punch him. And if it was in the 80s that Draymond Green wouldn't survive, that has to light a fire under you. That has to light a fire that if you lose this game, basically your season is over. This is a legacy game for all of the Golden State Warriors players, especially for the core three. Are things going to change if the Warriors eventually lose the NBA Finals? Are they going to bring a center next season with the center market in the NBA wide open with guys that want to be traded out of Toronto? Rudy Gobert being on the open market, DeAndre Ayton even potentially. Will the Warriors be buyers? Who knows? These are all going to be topics that we're going to talk about in the offseason. But it's time to focus and lock in in game number four. And... When I mentioned that you have to play this Boston Celtics team numerous ways, and this is when Steve Kerr needs to play his cards at the right time. When I say the season's on the line, you need athleticism, and you need the boxing out capabilities tonight in order to win the game, and the Warriors don't have that high flyer. This is a type of situation, this series, this matchup, that boy would it have been nice to have JaVale McKee on this roster to combat with Robert Williams III, or an even healthy James Wiseman. But we can't look back, we gotta counter-attack, counter-react, and I think this is the game where Steve Kerr has saved something in his back pocket. And that is Jonathan Kaminga. Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, I believe could get some runtime here tonight. And that's just not me saying it. It's desperation time. Jonathan Kaminga has had experience. He was their best player in the regular season for about a month when all those injuries were happening. And I talked about how he, Jonathan Kaminga in the regular season when he was that main guy um, providing the spark next to Steph Curry that he had to play the role of Draymond Green coming in for David Lee in that 2015 series and if Jonathan Kaminga comes out tonight and really changes this series I think it could be a repeat of that where Steve Kerr went David 
lead to the bench, Draymond Green in, and also in the NBA Finals where he decided to sit Andrew Bogut and that discovery of the small ball lineup. And this is the type of situation where Steve Kerr is has been coach of the year, you know, top coaches in NBA history whenever that list came out earlier this season. And for Steve Kerr, I think Jonathan Kaminga is the card that could potentially switch the series up. Well, I'm not saying that it's all going to lie on JK and whether he has a good game or not. No, absolutely not. I'm just saying that if he becomes an X factor, then you remember what happened against the Dallas Mavericks where the Warriors almost came back and swept with all those young guys off of the bench. I think that was big for them. It was garbage time, of course, but they forced Luka Doncic back into the game. I think that was the biggest game for the young core, and they need to take that energy from that game into this contest. Now, let's talk about Andrew Wiggins. He led the team in 40 minutes last game, and I loved his ability to attack and get to the free throw line. He was He got... He got to the line a total of two times, three or four from the free throw line, 75% from the free throw line. Love to see that from Wiggins. Higher numbers there. Seven for 16 from the field, 18 points for Andrew Wiggins for two-way wigs. He's been slumping, though, from the three-point line, and that is the concerning factor. You know, the Warriors with their analytics, it's either three-pointer or a drive to the lane. And, you know, earlier in the season, Wiggins was joking that he's not going to take too many mid-range shots. But the Warriors need to take mid-range shots against the Boston Celtics. If you get by someone and Robert Williams III is there in that third layer of defense, you know, down in the paint, and if they close out on you from the three-point line and respect your shooters, especially if Klay Thompson continues to stay hot after a great game number three for Klay, Jordan Poole not pounding the ball and continuing to dribble, 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 and predetermine that he's going to go baseline, come back, and try to get the layup. It worked once against Robert Williams III, but I guarantee you dribbling 20 times like James Harden in this motion offense like the Warriors and the Boston Celtics knowing the predetermined movements for the Golden State Warriors, it's not going to help. Jordan Poole and others need to take that mid-range shot. And even coming into the Boston series, the Warriors were surprisingly not up there with NBA teams in the playoffs at three-point attempts, right? They were dominating with points in the paint, and we need to see that game happen here in game number four. Warriors need to be able to get to the lane like Boston is. They're the Celtics are outdoing what the Warriors are good at, at driving to the lane and kicking out to their shooters. Clay Thompson with 25 points on 7 of 17 shooting and 5 of 13 from beyond the arc. Those numbers don't look too good there as that fourth quarter collapsed by the team. But if you take those that fourth quarter out for Clay Thompson, he was lights out, nailed some big time three-pointers, and all of Clay's shots were set her his feet was set whether it was off of the pin downs off of the floppy action or when he was forced to take the mid-range shot he took his time and his feet were set and i love to see that for clay and tonight steph curry of course what happened al horford rolled on his leg steph said that he was 
feeling good yesterday in the press conference after game number three and said that he has managed the injury before. It feels like the same in injury that Marcus Smart caused in the regular season. But from the Warriors presser today, Steve Kerr said no minutes restriction on Steph Curry. He is good to go for game number four tonight. And also, Otto Porter Jr. was questionable. We got the word that he will also be playing tonight after that lingering foot injury. So my concern is if Steph really is hobbled, if he's really playing through this and he's not the Steph that we've seen so far in the first three games, then the Warriors really need someone to step up. And that's going to be Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. And of course, we got to talk about the pool party, Jordan Poole. After a great third quarter for Jordan Poole in game number two, you know, he hit that half-court shot at the end of the third, nailed a big three-pointer there right before that back-to-back -back threes for Jordan Poole. Man, game number two was the best game for Jordan Poole. In 23 minutes off the bench in game two, he had 17 points, 6 of 14 from the field, 5 of 9 from beyond the arc. And if the Celtics are really stopping him from driving and getting to the lane, I think, like I said earlier, simplify things. Jordan Poole just come in, shoot threes with that PTSD, the money time lineup that they had earlier this season. It'll be interesting to see if Steve Kerr goes with Jordan Poole into the lineup to shake things up or if Gary Payton II comes to start or, you know, maybe they still go small and you pull the leash earlier on that lineup if you're really being out rebound early put kevon looney back into this contest it's a debate right now of would you rather go small or have two non-shooters in the lineup in kevon and in draymond green and i think a lot of people are overreacting because in that crucial game number six against the memphis grizzlies i personally tweeted out that i did not like the non-shooting lineup of Draymond Green and Kevon Looney um, both into the lineup and we, re we remember what game Kevon had that game it was that game where he had all of those rebounds I think the 16 rebound game to close out the Memphis Grizzlies so we've seen it work in the past and of course I'm not saying that the Boston Celtics are that same Grizzlies team all I'm saying is that this lineup has worked throughout the entire season, the regular season, and of course in the postseason. And is it just a matchup issue? Probably against the Boston Celtics. We were afraid of what Boston would match up with the Golden State Warriors, and now the Warriors are down 2-1. to one. It's going to be adjustment time for Steve Kerr, and that's the buzzword that I keep on bringing up because Steve Kerr has to be a better coach and deal with his lineup better in game number four in order to win it. Bielita, Kaminga, Moody... Jordan Poole still too, you know, liability defensively. Looking back at the tape, man, Jordan Poole absolutely did a bad job on the hard hedges and on the late blitzing situations. There was a pick and roll situation a couple times toward the end of the game where Jason Tatum um, was blitzed late. He had to give a give up the pass, and you know, closeouts happen galore, but ultimately. 
Uh, it was just a lob at the end for Robert Williams III. If you keep on playing zone, I think it's going to be troublesome for the Warriors. And in that fourth quarter, we got to bring the numbers up for Steph Curry. We talk about how great he finished, of course, the entire game. Final numbers for Steph. He had a total of 31 points. Amazing. If the Warriors somehow end up winning it all in the NBA Finals. He is definitely the Finals MVP. 31 points total for the Chef, 12 of 22, 6 of 11 from beyond the arc. And of course, he had two assists and four turnovers though for Steph Curry, a minus 14 for the Warriors. But that fourth quarter, what stood out, of course, Steph Curry, the three straight turnovers. One was off the foot of Draymond Green off a little pass, uh, screening to the roll. Screening and rolling is what I meant to say. The other one was Robert Williams in front of him and just a tight passing window. You can't throw that pass. And of course, Robert Williams again intercepting the full court pass to Jordan Poole. And the lead was pushed to, I think, double digits after the final and third Steph turnover. Now, Steve Kerr said no minutes restriction tonight. Curry was pulled there almost at the three-minute mark in that third quarter and rested the first two minutes of the fourth quarter. And the fourth quarters have plagued the Golden State Warriors in the entirety of these NBA playoffs so far. We know the amazing third quarter runs that the Warriors have had, right? Game number one, 38 points with six three-pointers, outscoring the Celtics by 14. Game two, 35 points, outscoring the Celtics by 21. Game number three, even, the Warriors had 33 points and outscored Boston by eight. But the fourth quarters are what has played this Warriors team. Game one, 16 points only and got outscored by 24, of course, in that collapse of game number one. Game number two, they the Warriors had 20 points in the fourth quarter, got outscored by four, garbage time there. You can just toss that one out. But in game three, 11 points only, and they were outscored by 12, and it didn't help as well after that fourth quarter with those three turnovers by Steph, and he wasn't shooting the ball well in that fourth quarter too. And we got to give credit where credit is due, but we also can criticize when it's not showing up there. And looking at the fourth quarter stats for Steph, only one for four, 0 for two from beyond the arc, two points, and he was a minus 10 in the fourth period. I truly believe that the Celtics targeting Steph on defense especially in game three with Jason Tatum on him and Steph picking up those early fouls and not being the play as aggressive defense that he had shown in game number two in which we saw two-way Steph come back out and shed the light there in game number two. Now the Warriors can do a lot of pre-switching as we've seen um, all season long, their ability to do that, but the Celtics are going to try to find a way to hunt Steph Curry and Jordan Poole. And I think something that was interesting was that Jalen Brown called ISO for Draymond Green on, at least from what I remember, on three possessions that he wanted to clear out the side and drive and attack. And Boston really just put their head down, especially Tatum and Brown, to get to the rim. And there was foul calls, of course, that favored Boston in this contest. And I think that's, you know, just the home court calls you'll get in the NBA in the NBA finals. You know, if you're the home team, you'll get a couple more calls. And I think that's what the discrepancy was in total free throws 
in game number three. Warriors had 15 total free throws to Boston's 24. So nine more free throws there. You know, I think some of those, the phantom calls there on Steph Curry. Boston liked to clear out the ball side early on. Um, a lot of pick and roll and cutting late in game number two, whether it was Derek White or um, Grant Williams cutting through the middle, clogged things up on the drive. And I think that was the adjustment that they made. And that, they made that adjustment in the Miami series when Miami played a more aggressive type of zone to clear things out on the ball side, open more room for ISOs, for Brown, and for Tatum. And that's what was shown there in game number three. The Warriors played a more aggressive type of defense there in the second half of game number two, a little more aggressive zone. And in this contest, Ime Adoka in game three was able to counterreact that by being able to pass early before the blitzes came and, you know, swinging the ball around. The Celtics are amazing at that. And if the Warriors zone has been lackluster in game number one and also in game number three, you got to be able to say, Steve Kerr, I'm going to play zone, but not for an entire quarter. Let's switch it up to man. Let's throw blitzes, hedges. Let's just put different looks. Let's not stay with zone. Now, the question is, who do you want to go ISO on and who do you want to put that late blitz in? And I think the guy you got to attack is Jalen Brown. But at the same time, if you attack Jalen Brown, he has had those turnover problems, but just the intensity that he has on driving to the lane and making tough shots, I'll give him credit to that. But Jason Tatum also, if you try to double him, he's the smarter guy. He'll be able to pass off of those blitzes or those hedges early on in those traps. He has been an amazing passer this entire series. And even for Tatum, he had nine assists to lead the team there in game number three. So the guy I would say that you want to attack is Jalen Brown. Like I've said, has had that issue with the dribbling whenever you force him into pressure, as we saw in game number two at home at the Chase Center. And in game three, that pressure wasn't really there because Draymond Green wasn't aggressive on defense. I absolutely expect that to change here tonight in game four. Also, another takeaway to summarize for tonight, box your guy out. Please, Grant Williams off of a miss. Uh, Robert Williams off of a miss. Jason Tatum, everyone was literally having a field day the Warriors, I believe, oh, Ron Adams definitely got onto them here the past couple of games to remember to box out. Because even if Robert Williams is a physical athlete, a uh, out-of-this-world athlete, jumping out of the stadium type of athlete, whatever you want to call him, whenever you try to box out, at least make an effort, at least. And also, the troubling issue from the Warriors zone so far is Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, even Gary Payton the second, Draymond Green, literally everyone on the roster has jumped off of these pump fakes. Stay in your defensive stance. And I know it's easier said than done, especially if someone just hit a three on you like Jason Tatum did on Gary Payton the second. Sometimes, like, and you, like these announcers like to say, Mark Jackson, hand down, man down, better offense, great defense. Sometimes you'll get played that way. But it's better to, I think, 
not bite off of those three-pointers, those pump fakes, because then once they drive and get to the center of the key, that's when the Boston Celtics offense gets rolling, swinging it out, and picking your poison, and the Warriors not being able to close out in that zone. Expect more man here tonight. Expect more traps and blitzes and switches, pre-switches for the Golden State Warriors and for Boston. Their key is to continue to attack right at the top of the key boston staggers screening and their staggered dribble handoff whether it's to smart and then robert williams rolls down or their two-man game when the warriors try to attack on the hedge and tatum passes out to smart white williams whoever you name it even al horford of course who has shot amazing from the three-point line and continues to do so then they're going to have a field day for Boston and they're going to get the victory in game number four. And for the Celtics here, for the Warriors fans, you can't just rely on saying, hey, Boston can't shoot the lights out. I said it in the last podcast that Boston is a great shooting team. I expect them to continue to shoot well, not from the way in game number one. But Boston, if you leave their shooters open, they're going to hit those shots. You got to respect Marcus Smart. You got to respect Al Horford. Aggressiveness tonight on the defensive end is going to be key to extending this series. I don't care what you do on offense. You got to play defense because... Look what happened there when the Warriors started to play their defense. That The Warriors went on a 9-0 run led by the Steph Curry three-pointer flagrant foul by Al Horford on the closeout three-pointer. And let's just give the same energy to Al Horford, NBA fans in general. If you're going to give death threats to Zaza, Pach- Zaza Pachulia for closing out on Kawhi Leonard in that San Antonio series a few years back, give that same energy to Al Horford, please. What I'm trying to say is just, man, the Celtics have shooters. You got to respect that. Even off of the bench, Peyton Pritchard, man, he's a scrappy player and going 1 through 15, a lot of experts have said that they'd rather take Boston's bench. And it's shown in the first three games of the series, and I don't blame them. Again, Steve Kerr, unload your bench. Make the right decisions. Don't pull the leash on key guys that have an impact on the series and then not play them. You need to mix and match. You need... You need Nemanja Bielitsa, Gary Payton in there for five minutes. And if they're getting crushed, hey, let's put in Kevon Looney and Jonathan Kaminga to get that size. Switch it up. Play smart. Steve Kerr, I know you're a smart coach. I know you can make the right adjustments. But Ime Yudoka, once again, has outcoached you in this series. That is it. That is all I have for tonight before game number four. All of those adjustments, all of those topics that we've talked about, who's going to step up if Steph Curry is down, right? Live by the mid-range game. It's a cliche. Jordan Poole, Klay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green. Steph Curry has carried you this entire series. My message to you is Steph is hobbled tonight and not his normal Steph. Step it up because the Warriors dynasty deserves to continue to roll on and they deserve to run it back and try to get and their fourth NBA title in eight seasons. Of course, the Warriors' sixth NBA title appearance in the past eight seasons, two-year hiatus, of course, without Clay Thompson. And some interesting numbers for you here tonight. Both teams 
have not lost back-to-back -back games in the NBA playoffs. The Golden State Warriors are perfect 5-0, right behind Boston's 7-0 following a loss in the series. The Warriors, of course, 26 consecutive playoff series in which the Warriors have won at least one road game. That streak goes all the way back to the 2013 NBA playoffs Western Conference first round against the Denver Nuggets. And in order for the Warriors to have their season and their title hopes on the line, they got to extend that streak to 27. Dubs just need to play a complete game. We have not seen that until dating back to the Dallas Mavericks series. A couple of those games in the middle. Game number five, even when the Warriors closed it out against Dallas, that wasn't a complete game by them at all. That's the key to tonight. Complete game and get hot in that first quarter. Let's not try to play down because when you're playing down, sure you can come back as we saw in game three, but it is so hard to do that. The first quarter, the Warriors were down 33 to 22 and a couple of misses there and a couple of Steph leading the way got them back there throughout the rest of the game. But start off hot, start off strong, and go Dubs. Thanks for tuning in to this inaugural episode of Strength in Numbers. Make sure to hit follow, subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts. And I love having a podcast right before a game on a Friday. I love that. I, again, I'm going to be at Chase Center. It's going to be a great atmosphere there and another great atmosphere at the TD Garden. I know Warriors fans that have went out there and there's a few of them. And you'll barely see that many Warriors fans out there at the TD Garden compared to seeing Boston fans out here at Chase Center. They take it to another level and absolutely stadium-wise, energy-wise, fan-wise, man, you can even see it on your screen if you're watching the game from home. Boston brings it to a whole different level. And if the Warriors tie it up at 2-2 tonight, then I'm asking Dub Nation and all of Golden State Warriors to put out a message and to come out loud for game number five to try to take the lead. We'll talk about that and a lot more recapping game number four on the next episode of this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Truly appreciative, truly appreciative of every single one of you guys. Make sure to follow this podcast at Dub's underscore strength on twitter and follow me your host brandon kiddies on twitter at bkiddies zero that's b-c-a-d-i-z zero to stay up with all the latest warriors news as well thanks for tuning in and until next week this show is presented by bet online thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.